0: hi welcome to the holy fuck podcast i'm your host alexandra roxo author of fuck like a goddess creator of radical awakenings transformational coach and student of life i'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between enjoy hello beautiful ones I am happy to be here with you today, and I wanted to share about something that came forth yesterday in my membership community, Radical Awakenings, um, on one of our group calls, and it's something that's been an ongoing conversation for me, but I don't think I've done a solo podcast about it, and it's about the shift in identity that I've been going through. Maybe I have talked about this, but I'm going to bring it in a different context, but coming from... And I'm going to throw out some some words. None of them fit perfectly for me, but that's probably my own sort of moon and Aquarius nature that I don't want to be put in a box. But this could be girl to woman. It could be maiden to mother. It could be princess to queen. It could be going from sort of a young, youthful... Uh, uh, feminine expression of look at me I want to be the center of attention I want to be perfect to being a little bit more integrated sharing the stage sharing the space with others um, centering oneself a little bit less Uh, there's a lot more there right I'm sort of breaking it down really simply And all of those different things that I said, I could go on a tangent on any of those sort of archetypal qualities or um, emotional qualities. But the question that came up yesterday that I thought was really interesting was, okay, so I'm transitioning from this immature feminine self, um, this wanting to be perfect, wanting to be the center of attention or um, be kind of performing who I am, and da da da. My maybe my appearance or my sexuality or my beauty or whatever. And I'm I'm bringing in more than just the question from our group. I'm I'm broadening it. Um, how do I support myself in that transition? And this is interesting. I was watching this Brooke Shields documentary last night on Hulu. I love I love documentaries about people and. There were a lot of cultural uh, critics and maybe like anthropologists, sociologists, who were talking about why we sexualize girls and why girls have been over sexualized for so long. And there's like a continuation of this conversation of why women then keep themselves in that sexualized girl body and experience um and avoid aging avoid changing and i'm going to be really fucking honest like i am not immune i am one of them i've been waxing getting brazilian waxes since, for for decades and this is nothing new i'm not the first person to point out the fact that getting uh, a brazilian wax is trying to have a little girl genital area and that's fully culturally acceptable to us is very bizarre to me. The fact that that is fully culturally, culturally acceptable. Also, just for reference, when I would go to Brazil as a child and get a Brazilian wax there, they did not do a porno wax, get rid of all of your hair back then. That was in like the 80s and 90s. You left a cute little triangle, a landing strip. Um And so it's funny how in America, the idea of a Brazilian wax is to have no hair down there, which if you asked my aunties in Brazil, they would be like, excuse me, (laughs) Um, because I don't think that that was something that was, I think that that was something that porn normalized and I don't think Brazilian culture is necessarily to um, be responsible for that becoming such a huge uh, acceptable trend. Even for like the most kind of spiritual women I know, it's like there are many who wax off all their the hair off their genitals to look like, you know, childlike. And again, that's just one of these many things that we don't question. I'm not trying to go on a feminist rant about waxing, but I want to give some cultural context about why um, this ongoing this this archetypal journey from maiden to mother. Or girl to woman, or princess to queen, or whatever. How this archetypal journey is so stunted by mainstream culture and media, and that there is this mixed message of you need to grow up fast and be sexy, but you must maintain the body of a twelve-year-old or a fourteen-year-old, the skin of a you know a teenager, um, the the pussy of a teenager, whatever, and how toxic that is. And so then you have all of these women who are adults now, but are still desperately clinging to this kind of adolescent um, look and or behavior. And it happens sometimes in really blatant ways that we can see in the media and sometimes not so blatant ways. Um there's this book by uh Marion Woodman has written some books about this kind of uh, archetypal shift in women. One is called The Unravished Bride. I'm going to look this up right now. The Unravished Bride. Oh, okay, so it's called Addiction to Perfection, The Still Unravished Bride. Ugh. Um, I'm going to read you what it is about. I have to say, I have not read this whole book. I've only read excerpts. It sort of scared the shit out of me, to be honest. When I was like, oh my God, what if that's me? What if I am so addicted to perfection that I am the still unrevished bride? And it doesn't necessarily mean bride in the traditional sense that you have to have gotten married, but there's this sense of... um, I have to, I have to remain perfect and that there is um, that they sort of entering into the messiness of um, being a woman is not is saying goodbye to my perfectionism. Let me see if I can bring up a little synopsis here. Okay, here's a little quote. Driven to do our best at school, on the job, in our relationships, in every corner of our lives, we try to make ourselves into works of art, working so hard to create our own perfection, we forget that we're human beings. When Okay, here's another quote from it. When the possibility of radical transformation presents itself, it brings with it considerable fear. Once the door is open, the bird who has lived in the cage its all its life shrinks back from freedom and the terrors of the unknown. So I've been writing a lot about this on my sub sub stack kind of slowly because it's a slow process even for me to be going through and sitting in that terrible unknown between two selves. And for me, the self that could cling to... Um, beauty and appearance and high performance and accolades, which for me may be nothing compared to some people's levels of high performance. But for me, that meant like getting all A's in school, being the presidents of lots of clubs, uh, you know, interning at the Screen Actors Guild, getting a a huge scholarship to NYU, being the lead in the plays at NYU, (laughs) you know, um, you know, like getting having a cute boyfriend whatever and then slowly over time some of those things were dismantled but it, but at my core there was always that and it manifested as restricted eating and disordered eating through my 20s which thank god i have um gotten over and i talked with kate northrup about this a little bit on our podcast that there's some of our like core patterning and wounding that are really are really hard to get over but for me that one i actually did graduate from And it makes it so stark that when I'm around women who are restricting their eating and they're like, oh my God, I'm eating carbs. It's so bizarre to me. It feels like this strange cultural ritual that feels so far from spirit. It feels so false. And that's just my own judgment and my own interpretation and my own opinion of it. And, you know, it's it's just my honesty here. It's just that to me, it feels there is a deep sadness that I feel um, being around women who are restricting their eating as grown women who are maybe in their late 30s and 40s. And it touches me because I was there before and maybe if it, if i wasn't there before it wouldn't bother me as much or wouldn't feel as sad but i see in that that archetype of that addiction to perfection and that addiction to keeping this like young girly body um that often comes with like a girly demeanor and i see it as um as this is this Not wanting to grow up, right? Not wanting to uh, become a woman and be in like the messy thick. And I had Sarah of Magdalene on my podcast, Sarah Durham-Wilson. And and she is some really spectacular work around, um, I think she calls it midlife split, or I'm not quite sure what she calls it, but really, and her book is around maiden to mother transition. And she has a very particular uh, lens on this as well, a very particular voice. It's a very strong and um, I'm I'm still going through my journey around this, so I don't have hard opinions and things, but I do have a lot of feelings and recognitions in my body um, when I'm around behaviors or um, patterns that feel yucky or even cultural like signaling that feels yucky, like signaling of a woman sitting at dinner and saying like, oh, I'm having like, oh my God, I'm going to eat pizza. I'm being so bad or something like that. Um, and it's just a conversation that I've been tuned into for like the last 20 years. And so it's very interesting. And I know that I used to be that person. Two of my best friends, I think they used to watch me restrict and it, it used to trigger the hell out of both of them or at least annoy the hell out of both of them. And um, they would point it out. And the thing is, I don't always point it out. I don't point it out to people. I'm not going to be like, wow, that's the fourth time I heard you talk about food in the last 10 minutes or carbs in the last 10 minutes. But these are, you know, are these little indications around this, this hesitation or this postponement or avoidance of moving from one phase of feminine identity into another. And it seems like it's a cultural issue interestingly enough i see it a lot in some of the conscious communities um and then there are these other gorgeous communities of like really wise rooted um deep women that are fucking awesome and and i love following some of those women on instagram and really feeling how they have energetically transitioned outside of that um archetypal look at me my beauty and my body are um that which i lead with and there is nothing wrong with that and yet i see that there's this cultural kind of phenomena of not wanting to age right like is it simply not wanting to age and is it also not wanting to admit death is it also um wanting to hold on to that perfection. There's another quote from Addiction to Perfection here. To be true to the soul is to value the soul, to express it as uniquely as possible. It is loving from inside rather than accepting a foreign standard that does not take our essence into consideration, which is is so much of what society would ask us to do, right? Like keep working out really hard so you can stay really thin, keep your face looking like it did when you were 20. I mean, I also saw a commercial last night when I was watching this Brooke Shields thing on Hulu with Alicia Silverstone and I forgot the other actress's name with the red hair from Clueless, where they're recreating a scene from Clueless 30 years later. And honestly, they almost look the exact same. And it's like 30 years later. So whatever they've done to their faces, I don't know if they did like a AI you know, CGI thing, or if it was literally just plastic surgery or Botox, but I was like, what the actual? How do these women look like they haven't changed at all from their 20-year-old self? And obviously we can blame Hollywood for that lovingly. <laughs> and there are women and female directors who are attempting to change the that narrative as well as many other narratives. Obviously there's so many narratives around race and gender and um lgbtq characters on tv all different like the fact that um the oscars this year had so much different types of representation that won awards was was so amazing and um some of so michelle yeo am i saying her last name right um I think she was the first, yeah, she was the first she at age sixty, got an Oscar, and she was the first Asian woman to get an Oscar, if I'm correct. um, if I'm not, then let me know. but that that was huge, right? So it's like there are strides that have been made, which is awesome, and yet there there in other ways, there aren't. like we don't see the aging process, the growing up process. Um, women sort of letting go of some of these behaviors that are more adolescent hi everybody quick little interlude here so i wanted to tell you what my favorite things are to put in my morning smoothies or morning coffee chai mate cacao depending on my mood so i've been using Uh, this incredible rose powder from Anima Mundi, which I love connecting to the spirit of the rose. There is this beautiful, deep, powerful feminine essence that I feel in the spirit of the rose. And so putting it, actually ingesting it feels so incredible so that I can become um, less human and more rose. That's part of one of my life goals. (laughs) Um, But I also use uh, from Anima Mundi Herbal's their happiness tincture and the energy tincture, which have lots of good things and they actually taste good, which is very important to me. And they also have just come up with some incredible rose body oils and face oils. And there's a rose face mask, which is beautiful and gorgeous. So I just highly recommend anything that comes from a really ethically sourced place, a female owner, They have incredible information on their website and their newsletter that helps you create ritual with the products, which I think is just super helpful and really beautiful. And the vibe is on point. And that's what's so important to me as I am a consumer in this world today. It's, it's, is this product in integrity? Can I feel uh, the heart of it? And I really can with Anima Mundi. So if you want to try any of their products, use the discount code Alexandra15 and let me know what you think. All right, you guys, back to the podcast. They're actually often glorified and made to be really comedic, right? So it's like, oh lol, you know, here I am trying to keep my 25 year old bod and face, etc. Um, I think that's why Gwyneth Paltrow got so much flack when she talked about recently um, like doing a bone broth and just eating veggies and bone broth and people called it the starvation diet because I do think people notice, wow, like there's some of these behaviors and some of these tendencies maybe do spring from dysfunction. I don't know in terms of her, I can't judge that. But it's interesting because I do think that there are a lot of places that people are questioning these things, right? Even um, when Michelle did her speech at the Oscars and said, Hey, I'm like 60, right? Like you're never too old. Like that was so, so gorgeous, so brilliant. And so yesterday in our, in our community call uh, when someone asked, well, how do I help myself do the transition? Because I can be aware that I want to have the transition. I want to stop kind of being in my obsessive, you know, trying to keep my flat stomach and my tight butt. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a, a representation for um, holding on to something that also means much more than the butt. <laughs> it means that it's like a deep psychological hold. So this woman asked, like, "Well, what can I do?" And one thing I said is, well, now you have the awareness, so you're just going to keep being in the awareness around it. And so you're going to notice when you do things that are starting to feel off, that feel like you're graduating from them, that don't feel like you anymore. And then also do your best to surround yourself with um, other women who have already like moved through that transition. Because I think it can be... um, really hard if you are trying to transition out of uh some of these behaviors and you're just constantly around them like you're constantly around the reifying or the reidentification because that's the other women that you're around so that uh that that piece is like, it's hard because if your whole identity or community is around being around certain people that are still holding on to all of those behaviors are still desperately clinging to their maiden self, then it's going to be really hard to go, well, I can't be around them. And you got to be honest with yourself about that. And it may feel hard. It may feel lonely. Anytime we we switch from one identity to another, it can feel very lonely. Um, because if your people before and you identified with them because you guys were all into ABC and now you're going, oh, I actually, um, you know, I don't want to like dress like that anymore. I don't want to post those types of images or whatever then it can feel like you're really judging them. Oh, now she's on a high horse. Oh, now Alexandra's like doesn't, you know, want to like flaunt her sexuality around town anymore because now she's grown up and she's so um mature, right? That can be super obnoxious or like I don't want to hang out with you guys because you guys all have um either covert or very overt Disordered eating or orthorexia, and I'm over that. I've graduated. Like that would be very obnoxious, right? But on the flip side, it's actually okay that you don't want to be in those conversations and you don't want to sit and have those conversations with people. Like that is actually totally fine. But you can do it gracefully where you're like, okay, I'm noticing for myself that I don't want to sit at dinner and if all these women are talking about the size of their partner's cock, which this happened to me recently. And I just thought, God, this, I just can't, I don't know. 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Sure. But like for now it doesn't feel like the type of conversation I want to have at dinner. I feel much more, um, just honoring of the privacy of my sex life with my partner and I don't want to talk about it with that many people. You know, I talk about it with my closest friends, but not at a dinner party, like super casual. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. I remember sitting at a dinner party when I was about 25. We were talking about squirting. And it was like, haha, we can talk about this at dinner. We're so free, you know? So here I am, almost 40, and I'm like, I don't really want to talk about squirting at dinner. <laughs> you know like it's just probably not for me right now so those distinctions i i say you really have to feel what's happening in your body if you if your body's contracting like ooh and it's not contracting cuz there's like a healthy edge for you to meet and that's the process of discernment only you will know is there a healthy edge for me to meet here where i actually need to just examine my own um fear of talking about Genitals, or you're like, no, actually, this is my own. um This is this is my own privacy that I feel really good about, and I feel clear about. And either of those things are fine, truly. But I think what I'm saying is, if you are trying to make a shift, the same can be said of alcohol. If you're trying to quit drinking, going hanging out with all your drinking friends is going to be hard. It's going to be hard to quit. And so if you're trying to quit maidening (laughs) or princessing and you go hang out with all your princess friends, it's going to be hard. It may be triggering, it may be difficult. You're ready to hold this whole new vibration, this whole new energy. It's like you're preaching a new gospel, but they're like, yeah, it's not resonating, right? It's not resonating here. That can feel really lonely. And I totally feel you. I feel you if you're there. If you're starting to have awakenings around this, I totally feel you. And do not stay where it's comfortable and be afraid to grow and expand and mature and change and transform. Do not be afraid. This is why half or more than half the population stays stuck because it's Hard to say, oh, I'm going to make a change in my life. I'm going to quit drinking or I'm going to quit maidening. (laughs) I'm creating a new terminology here. And therefore, I'm going to put some of my own relationships in jeopardy. Friendships. I don't know if people will still like me if I'm not flaunting my sexuality or if I'm not talking about genitals at dinner, if I'm not sharing openly about my sex life. I don't know, right? I don't know if people will still like me. And so you got to take that risk and also to trust that your people will be there. If you're standing in your new and expanded or shifted value system, people will be there and it will take time. It's taken me time. I've taken two steps forward, one steps back. It's been like a multi-year journey journey. I remember I like went through my Instagram and I like archived like hundreds of things and then I unarchived them and I was like, who am I? So embarrassing. I was like, I'm not that person anymore who was like talking about her sex life on Instagram. I was like, I'm not her anymore. I was like, but who am I now? And I didn't I didn't know. And honestly, I'm still coming into it. And so I, when I look at women that are feeling super clear and super directed and here's what I am right now. I'm like, cool, I'm so happy for you and I'm just not there. I know what I believe in I know what I practice, I know what I teach, but in terms of standing on a pulpit and like being done with the process and sharing with you from there, I'm not there and that's fine. if it takes me five years to have the transition awesome that's uh, there's no problem there, you know um. So I hope that that supports you in just even acknowledging if you're going through something similar or if you have, it could be around drinking, it could be around, around work, it could be around um, your sexuality, it could be around um, anything where you're like, wow, I'm no longer that and I'm not quite this yet, but I want to be and I feel a little lonely in the middle. As one of my best friends, Rebecca, shared on the podcast that I did with her, she shared about um, coming out as being queer and um, how that felt after being in a straight relationship and marriage for a long time. And just knowing that, like that transition takes a while. It takes a while, whether it's around your sexual preferences or sexuality, whether it's around this archetypal journey of maturing, whether it's around Drinking, not drinking, whether it's around shifting from um being religious to being more spiritual, whatever. Any identity shift is that transformation. And I'm gonna read this Marianne Williamson quote one more time. Oh, I actually got rid of it. Let me see if I can find it. Because it was really good that quote how about being in the unknown. Let me see if I can find it again here. Yep. Um, When the possibility of radical transformation presents itself, it brings with it considerable fear. Once the door is opened, the bird who has lived in a cage, all its life shrinks back from freedom and the terrors of the unknown. So... Mm. Something else she says in the book, how to embrace the feminine in us, how to let go of perfection, how to learn more about ourselves by living with authenticity, passion, and daring presence. How? With a desire for change, a desire that will manifest as a slap in the face that will leave you careening, tripping, and probably crying as you find your way towards a new way of being. And and this, uh, this author who's writing this review here said... Basically, if you want to embrace the challenge, it's probably going to suck for a while. <laughs> so that is definitely a potential part of it is that the transition and the transformation can suck for a while, but it also is the shift. It is, it is, it is. Um, and here's one more quote. The woman who is a virgin, one in herself does what she does, not because of any desire and by virgin, she says it, it, it's that's not the virgin the version of virgin that we know about sexuality or about being, you know, having had sex. The original iteration of virgin is a woman who is one in herself. okay. The woman who is a virgin who is one in herself, right? Not a puritanical virgin, does what she does, not because of any desire to please, not to be liked, or to be approved, even by herself not because of any desire to gain power over another, to catch his interest or love, but because what she does is true. And that they, there's a huge piece in there about not trying to please, not trying to be liked or to be approved of even by herself. And that is such a huge part of this shift is when your orientation is less to be liked or approved of and, um, I definitely have gone through that as I've made this shift on social media. I've gotten so much less engagement because when I used to share like these kind of more provocative pictures and stories, there was much more engagement. and And when I shared about my wounds, my wounds, my wounds, my wounds, there was so much more engagement. Now, when I'm just sharing a little bit more simpler teachings, there's just less engagement. There's less provocative content. There's less like kind of, provoking someone's own wounding and, and asking them to stop. And again, I'm not saying this better or worse or anything like that, but I had to, at a certain point, just be like, great. I don't need, I'm not doing my work to be liked or approved of. I'm doing it because it's true. So if you're out there on that journey, I am with you, walking with you, supporting you. I support a lot of women in one-on-one containers through all kinds of transformational um, thresholds. And so if you're ever needing that support, you can come to my membership, you can come to my mastermind, you can come work with me one-on-one. And um, doing it alone is hard, I will say. I've had the support of many mentors and my own processes who have been able to really um, hold my hand and say, no, this is good, you're doing it, you're on the right path. And I'm like, but it doesn't feel as exciting and glamorous. And they're like, yeah, I know. It's not going to for a minute. (laughs) All right, my loves. Thanks for listening, tuning in. If you um, love this podcast, share it with a friend, please. And um, yeah, I'm curious where you're out in your journey. So please send me a DM, shout out if something came through for you. Okay, lots of love. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.